style. Wow. Flippers and all, wow. <laughs> Soundboards should be banned from podcasting. Three episodes in and we're already unlistenable. This is great. We just released our soundboard, well, one of our soundboard episodes of Never Believe It, and ooh, it Oof. only goes downhill from there. I literally, remember when I said I had new type anxiety? <laughs> I have Well, that's anxiety. gone, but soundboard anxiety is here and real. What What is a soundboard but uh, your consciousness truly expanding uh, yeah. outside of Earth's gravity? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's able to express things in a way that the regular human mind cannot. Do you want to talk about some wild-ass episodes? So I watched these episodes, like, two hours ago. I like to watch them a little bit close to recording so they're fresh in my mind, and I couldn't I tell you what happened in these. do not know how you do that. I, like, I... The only reason I vaguely know what happened is because, like, I slept on them, and I was, like, going to sleep, and they, they were just kind of running through my brain, all the things that happened. Because thing happened. Everything happens so much. Everything happens so much. Yeah, like, I mean, I've I've seen Zeta a lot, and I do actually, I like this, you know, aside from a couple of moments, I really like this uh, this procession of episodes. Um, and let me tell you, they are probably two or three times the number of episodes in my mind than they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of like, it's so confusing and so disorientating, and I just want people to stop being mean to Camille. And, like, I just... That seems to be how Camille feels, because everything happens so much. Camille doesn't know what the fuck is going on. People just keep hitting him, and it's just like, what happened? What happened? Why is everything happening? And, like, it's just kind of a mood. I really like it. It's like, C Camille takes so many hits in these episodes, specifically the last one. And it's like, okay, you want this kid to... You want this poor, what, like, 17-year-old boy to, you know get used to being in the military that he's essentially forced into and if someone's trying to convince me to do something and i'm having like a panic attack over it i think hitting me to get me to calm down is maybe the absolute worst thing to do in that situation uh this is i i want to get into it once we get to the part that inevitably we're going to have to talk about it during um but uh, there is there's a particular history of this kind of stuff in the japanese military especially the 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 uh, Japanese imperial military, mm -hmm. where it does, uh, I understand where it's coming from, and knowing where the show goes, I understand why it's happening. Um, mm. But it is, and and also like it's it's kind of also a, dir a direct response to people who saw uh, Mobile Suit Gundam and was like, oh, bright slap, so funny uh, that like. <laughs> yeah. They kind of said like, "Oh no, it's not supposed to be funny," and now we're going to make it Are the you least sure funny thing that? we could possibly yeah. do. Uh <laughs> is it is this what you wanted? Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. We live in a colony. <laughs> we live in a colony. Cuz for 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 me like the kind of the overarching like hashtag themes of these episodes were like it just kind of seems that everyone wants Camille to be something or to do something. Like everyone's out to exploit this like fresh new type meat like hanging on a stick that they're all like ooh 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 new type we we got our own little Amaro Ray up in here eh and just kind of trying to get him to be a child soldier and Camille's like hey child soldier bad though and everyone's like whatever De definitely a thing I never picked up on previous times I've watched that I guess just because of like the focused attention I have while I'm taking notes I'm recognizing a lot more where like you know 
Henkin or Quattro is just like are being super nice. And they're like, you know, you have a lot of potential. You should really think, think about using it. But if you don't, that's fine. You don't have to be a soldier. We're not going to make you. And then they make him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's like on, on paper, we're not going to make you do all this, but you kind of, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like you know you you get make uh, you get a job and they're like oh no yeah you don't got to work overtime we're like a family here but also you're gonna have to put in the time sort of off the books to fit in here yeah yeah uh, um, well y'all want to just get start it, getting it. into it then yeah yeah we're yeah. starting with episode seven of Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam Escape from Side One Juan. what like, what if the Pagel Two guy just said Pagel One and he was ex- as excited <laughs> for the first game as he was for the second. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> Sometimes Piggle's really fun. Okay, was that laugh part of a soundboard? Yeah, I have, okay. I just that, that, I that's, have the, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one that fucks me up the most because it's like <laughs> I'm like, okay, I didn't realize this is a podcast that had a ghost in it. I yeah, guess like I heard now. myself laugh and I was like, am I echoing? There is a specter haunting Wow Cool Robot. Hey, listen, it's the ghost in the machine. The ghost is calling. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty um, good. My first note here says BWBE. Like no, we've been over this. Big white base energy. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're talking. The Titans are talking. They've lost half their mobile suits. You love to see it. I hope they lose the other half. And they're yeah. talking about the Argama, and they're like, "Well, this reminds us a lot of a certain ship, a certain Pegasus class cruiser called the White Base." Where it looks like it's this defenseless little piece of junk, but you get close and all of a sudden there's a trillion mobile suits and a billion missiles flying at you. It's like, it's a sleeper car. It's like a, a Buick Regal GNX. You see it and you think, wow, that looks like a car that a mortician would drive. Or like a 200-year-old man. And then they hit the throttle and it's like, oh, this car is like can hit 60 in four seconds. It's like, wow, who, huh, ooh, I'm surprised. It's a clown car filled with clown Gundams. It's and clown except kids. instead of clowns, it's new types, and uh, how many new types can we fit into this What's ship? the difference, Sarah? Ah! <laughs> I will say, uh, listen, Lila knows the white base and knows Amro Ray. See, it's totally normal for Quattro to know Amro and to know Lala and exactly. to know Char Aznabel, Uh And, you know, it's just yeah, everybody knows all these people. They're famous. It's like they're all Obamas. <laughs> Everyone knows them. And, and Lila sort of says this, something about, what if the Argama's all new types? And Jamaican is like, don't believe, don't believe, like, the news hype. It's really yeah. funny. It's fake news. He, the he media, just says it's the fake media news. made up new types. <laughs> it's fake new types. Yeah. Fake new types. And we got to the Argama. Everyone's eating apples. It's Everyone, really distressing. I don't know why. I don't know. It's really weird. It's like each person takes a bite of their apple before they start talking. It, it like I I get very sort of sonically overwhelmed very quickly. Like by like like a lot of it's eating based. People are eating around me a lot. So like having them like take a big heckin' bite out of an apple and hear that nice crisp crunch is like oh don't talk to me right now please. It's yeah. A lot. Um. Okay, Colin. I, yes. I'm raising my hand. What the fuck <laughs> are these two captains called? I've named them in my notes. They're named Abe and Babe because I don't know their names. So, um, Abe is Blex and Blex. Uh, Babe is Henkin. Blex is the pale one. Henkin is the the mustache one. Yes, right? I yeah. fucking okay, cool. hate Henkin. <laughs> but you're not. You're not wrong. <laughs> he he just feels some fucking shit in these episodes. I think. And I think he's the one who's like, oh, hi, Camille, I, we'd like... You can, and also, they, Abe has Yugi Bear voice. No, Yogi Bear voice. Yeah. In the sub. It's <laughs> hey, an Yugi. awful voice. 
This is literally a joke even Epod agreed before. <laughs> I know, right? He's like, hey, Camille, we'd like you to come and work as a pilot at the Argonaut, yeah. Hey, hey, boo-boo, I don't think you're a new type. I just want you to help me get all these picnic baskets. <laughs> hey, boo-boo, you know Whiteface had child soldiers, so there's nothing wrong with us doing it as well. Despite how much Hankin sucks, we do get to see him in the best outfit possible later in this, this set of episodes. <laughs> yes, we do. What, what, what if Hankin worked at the Krusty Krab? Yeah. Um, Shit, that was Hankin! That was Hankin! I I was like, this guy working at the burger shop looks exactly like Hankin. As it turns out. (laughs) Listen, listen, Max. Yeah, yeah. Max, just because two characters look the same, act the same, have similar histories and motivations, doesn't doesn't mean they're the same character. Well, uh, we'll we'll get to it. I think there's something that definitively proves that it's Hankin. Um, And I'll, you know, I'll bring that up once we get to that part. Okay, okay, we'll get to it. Yeah, there is one, like, a uh, little thing while, like, you know, they're talking, Blex is talking about wanting to develop Camille's ability, and, like, Camille's like, oh, what, like, a new type? You want to do new type research with me? And Blex just is kind of, like, casual, like, oh, no, that's what laboratories are for, and that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he, he uses the word guinea pig in the sub. He's like, oh, ooh, what, I'm just ooh, a guinea pig oof. for you guys? That's not what his voice sounds like, but I, I Sarah, do you here. keep saying sub when you mean dub? Yes, I do. <laughs> Literally, the I, that happens to me on a weekly basis on Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast, too. I'll never, I'll never fully get it. The one where they speak English instead of have it written on the screen. Impossible to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Camille is... Camille, like, he doesn't say this, but like I feel like he's like, yeah, well, it was unethical for Whiteface to have child soldiers, so I'd, I, I would like to think this over, please, lads. Uh, morality is only based on the specific set of circumstances you're in. You can't really apply that overall. So the Argama is a completely different situation from the white base, which means soldiers are okay right now. Yeah. <laughs> not enough people are saying this. There's, It's not a war, so they can't commit war crimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but they still it, need, it's, not, it's not official. But they still need him to be a child soldier. It's just yeah, okay. Well, you know, look, Sarah... I don't know how to tell you this. Someone has to get in the cool robot. And it has to be a teenager. You know, you it got me there. To. Yeah, you, you you couldn't necessarily have two of your high-ranking lieutenants with uh, combat experience get in the robot. Uh, or you can, and you just also need a boy to go with them. <laughs> Sometimes you, the you just robot's need a boy. powered by trauma. We know this. <laughs> we know this. Um, They get to side four at this point. I think they're, like, passing through. Because, like, they, their goal is later on. Um... And, hey, Colin, can you hit that new type flash for me, please? Titty time. <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah, it's titty time. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I must have not have written this down. We go to Lila in the shower, and it's like, it's a cool space shower where she puts oh, a vacuum yeah. over her face. Her yeah, face that's really thing. funny. I thought that looked, re- I want that shower. Like, it looks really fun. Like, you just put your face so your face is dry. So Because... When I get in the shower, I hate getting water on my face and in my eyes. So I just want like a cool mask and then my rest of my body gets fucking jet blasted with water. It looks great. I love your delightful Northern Irish accent, Sarah, because you say shower and shower the exact same way. Oh, like. And it makes me think of the this. scene in 0079 where Char's taking when Char's the sh- in the shower. <laughs> when Char's in the shower. Oh, man. Just Spe- the shower we, scene. We <laughs> did. We skipped over a really good quattro line. Just, you know, not that you. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Because that's what I have next. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, you know, Quattro and Camille are talking because Camille's like, oh, why did you start fighting? Like, I don't want to be a soldier. You're a sh- soldier, blah, 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 blah. And Quattro is just like, oh, you know, I was a child soldier and I turned out fine. Uh, the souls of people living on Earth are attracted by its gravity so they can't fly. You know, just normal things to say. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Do you guys not have the bit where Quattro is like, Camille? Do you know why the Earth Federation conceals the location of Amuro Ray? Do you guys not? Mm, yes. He says yes. he. I, I don't think he says it in those words in the sub. He says more like we can't find Amuro Ray. I don't know if he specifically says the Earth Federation. I could have spaced out for that though. But uh-huh, he does mention uh-huh. that he can't find uh, his. He can't find Shar Asmol's ex and his current boyfriend Amuro Ray. Yeah. Um. I mean, Quattro does say that he never got married because he only knows how to fight. Uh, and in parentheses, I believe the subtext is his boyfriend. Yes, if, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. We can we can, uh-huh. we, we can read between the lines here. Uh huh. Uh huh. I just, I just because the way that it's the way that it's said in the dub, mm-hmm. Amuro Ray is in a witness protection scheme. <laughs> it's <sighs> is what is I my mean, read on. That's what look. it like. That's what the dub is telling me that like. The, the, the first Gundam finished and then Amariah immediately got placed under like house arrest but they made the house really fancy so he wouldn't be able to tell that's what I'm figuring out he from needs, the dub he needs to be protected because when I witness the wealth he has I want to dunk him in a toilet there are there are lots of mysteries to Amuro there are lots of mysteries to Amuro Ray and where he lives and where he got the money from and who may have gone to visit him with whom and you know it'll I'm sure it all gets sussed out over time yeah yeah it probably won't come up again no probably not no 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 yeah so yeah we we, Quattro says some crazy stuff to Camille and then we cut over that's when we see titty time uh, Lila in the shower and Jared is being peak fuckboy here. He he wants to come in her room and he's like, hey, I'm mad at you because you stood up for me. I want to fight my own battles because I'm a big, strong man and you're a woman. And this is how this works. Uh-huh, uh-huh, well, it's, uh-huh. it's like he wants to learn from her, but also like he he's like so hell bent on like winning his honor back that he also wants to make sure that he's the person who actually gets to fight for himself. And he was just not prepared to like storm into this woman's room and for her to be in a towel. I love <laughs> yeah. the power moves that she does. Like she's just like, this person is not worthy of me getting dressed. I love it. It's, it's it, so like, good. It's good. He, she like just tells him. She's like, "Do not look at me right now," but, but not in an embarrassed way. More just like, "You don't get to see this." Yeah, yeah. It's great. I like Lila a lot. Yeah, but then she tells him to grow into a big man or whatever, and it's just like, <laughs> she's like, "If you become, yeah, because because I, I I think um at this point they're mobilizing because like they they find out the Argama's either going to show up at side one, side two, or the moon." So they split the Titans into three to sort of like catch them at one of those locations regardless. And as Lila's mobilizing, Jared runs up to her um, because he's still not allowed in a suit because he's peak dingus. And he's like, (laughs) hey, you want to get out, get drink sometime? And she's like, "Mm, if you if you grow into a fine man one day, we can have a drink and I'll lean on you. And then this is this just makes Jared's whole day. He's on cloud nine after this. He's oh, man. Uh, Big mommy energy. She's just she's just. Uh, Quattro, but on the Federation side. She's just his mom. (laughs) Okay, but but also, like, the thing is, whenever she's in a normal suit, it's, like, exactly the same color as Quattro. She's got the same fucking, like, hair in helmet hair as Quattro. She's She's blonde. I I can't tell them apart when they're in, like, space suits. And because they both get a red robot. Yeah. Yeah. 
I wonder if it, it probably doesn't mean anything. It's, it's, it's probably meaningless. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't any kind of intentional comparison or anything. It's fine. Yeah, it's definitely it, not themes or motifs or anything. Yeah, themes are... Themes? Not in, not in my show. In Gundam? <laughs> no. No way. We, after this scene, we go from one sort of weird horny scene to another. Ugh. Because... Okay, and this, like, I... I want to like Hankin, but not when he's like, mm, uh, Quattro, Lieutenant Quattro Vagina, could you please um, send the resident hot girl Emma to the bridge? I would like to talk with her. And Quattro's like, yeah, sure, dude, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't the care only, for it. The only worse way he could have asked Emma to come up to br- uh, the bridge is if he sent her a text with, like, the big oh glassy baby eye emoji and the fingers pointing the fingers. at each other. <laughs> he just goes, he just texts her, you up, you and then, up? like, three eyes emojis in a row. <laughs> Uh, could yeah. you please come by the bridge waiter? <laughs> I've been a good boy. Fuck this guy. Yeah, he looks so cool. He doesn't get to be rude. Let's take I his don't, brain, I don't think he put it in someone cool. else. I, I don't know. I mean, he's... I when Quattro's yeah. in the room, he doesn't look very cool. But then Quattro leaves and he gets to look a little bit cooler. Well, okay, yeah, but like that's the impossibly high bar to clear, Sarah. No one l- could look as cool as Quattro Bagina. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a true fact. Maybe Lila could do it. Um, maybe yeah. maybe Quattro's good close friend Shara Asnabel, if he was still around, but uh, who knows where that guy is? Yeah, he's up yeah, there. He's, he's up there. Yeah. Uh, what happens after this? Um, la, 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 oh yeah, they get to qual they get to Qualony Colony Thirty. <laughs> they get to Qualony. Yes. They get to Colony Thirty, and Quattro is like, "Hey Emma, <laughs> hey Camille, it's time hey, to go kids. see some war crimes. <laughs> you want to see a dead trip. body?" You want to see a whole colony of mummies. And you want to see something cool, kids? It's time to da 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 dead body. <laughs> um, and also, there's like a cutaway and like Lila is also like following them in. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of drives her mobile suit up and like parks beside the colony. And This is because uh, the Titans think that Colony 30 might be the secret AU base that definitely exists. Um, so she's in there as well. And yeah, it's time to dead body. It's like the reason he's doing this is he basically is going to show Emma and Camille firsthand the reason why they're fighting the Federation, the Titans, because you know, kind of is a field trip. It's a it's a trip to a location to learn something. If you boil it down to the bare essentials, Quattro is the teacher taking the kids on a field trip. The magic school Gundam. The magic school Gundam. What if what if what if uh what if Quattro had a cool like talking lizard and a dress that like changed colors and patterns depending on the lesson he's gonna teach them that day? I've never oh, seen man. the magic school bus. I cannot play in this room with you, I'm sorry. Uh sorry. Max, if only there was a cute green uh mascot character that could accompany them. Oh, that'd be pretty <gasps> cool. I, I, w- I, w- I wish Gundam had something like that. Yeah, who knows? Um, who knows? But yeah, we get a we get a cool flashback to um, you know, the Oh wait, does that happen or do this uh, do they do we get the cool scene of all of the weird protest signs that they have? Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, the yeah. weird protest signs they have. Although before we get to that, I want to there's a line that uh Quattro specifically says in the job uh cuz Camilla's like, "Oh my god, like how could someone just kill all these people? How could I think Basque kill all these people?" And Quattro is like, "If the if he says, if they don't see the bodies, it's hard for them to feel the pain involved in the process. You know, like the killing process of yep. killing a person. It's it's harder to kill a person if you can see the person's body. And, you know, I, 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 I just thought it might be me, you know? 
Maybe the Federation is not the good guys anymore. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Gundam, the franchise has something to say about the body of the mobiles. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just it's, there's truly no earthly way that we can tell, which is why we go into space, because there is a spacely way. <laughs> spacely way? <laughs> I don't know. I think I need somebody to make some kind of video essay about this and release it on uh, on on the internet for me to watch to understand this fully. But I think I get what you're putting down, Sarah. <laughs> I'm eight minutes into it. It's 15 minutes long. Give me time. Give me give me space. Speaking yeah. of space. Speaking and give me space. space. What do the signs say? They're very good. Uh, we've got get Earth back to nature, which, you know, that's that's pretty good. Uh, we have let Space Noid rule the Earth, uh, yeah. which might be a little extreme. I like and then that we, one, though. We have accept the autonomy <laughs> of the space colony. <laughs> I It's like... I, it, it's just delightful. It, it, it's something I feel like they just wrote these signs. Like people aren't really going to pay a lot of attention to them. We're just going to get a little funny with it. It's just <laughs> I just it it just truly delights me that someone was like, "Hmm, we're going to riot for autonomy. I want to rule Earth." This is I don't know. This is probably the best English I've seen on screen in an anime this old. <laughs> yeah, ever. yeah, there, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, it's good, and they're correct. So <laughs> yeah, let yeah. space noid rule the Earth. Yeah, we should just let them. Yeah. Uh, Quattro explains why the Earth fears new types, and it's because uh, the ruling class of Earth thinks that they're powerful psychics that are going to take over. Hey, um, hey, hey, I, I just thought of an interesting parallel. I'm sure it's nothing, but, um, you know, remember uh, the, 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 the very final episode of Gundam 0079, whenever the man of Shar Aznable was trying to kill the other, the boy of Amuro Ray for being a new type and too powerful and too dangerous to live? I'm sure. Yeah. But this well, I mean, is a separate man, so it's this, yeah. It's, it's Crotchero's like new types are pretty cool, actually. We have to take down Earth so new types can rule now. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's why eventually um, Quattro and Char stopped being pen pals, and uh, yeah, Quattro got apart. together with his new boyfriend. Exactly. <laughs> but at this point, Lila's at uh, Colony Thirty. She's she's mm-hmm. looking around. They, they keep on both uh, Lila and Camille and Emma are like getting tricked by the mummified bodies that are falling apart and floating around all over the place because you know the gravity is all weird the mirrors are stuck yeah and eventually lila sees camille who i guess is like examining a body of a mother and a child it's like it's i i don't care to see it that much Mm. at least you know at least they're not wet corpses at least at least they're a nice crispy dry corpse yes yeah at least it's the beef jerky equivalent of corpses yeah at at least it's not like a nice juicy just cooked steak of corpses yeah it's an it's a nice slim gem it's it's some jack lanks colony 30 (laughs) quattro bergenis quattro bergenis is snapping to a slim gem as a woman's head falls off (laughs) but lila takes uh camille hostage and this is when we get the quattro line about he, he like talks to her and he's like, uh, you have to stop doing Titans shit. Stop doing Federation shit. Bask is evil. And Lila says, I don't believe you. And then Quattro says like the exact same speech that he told Emma and Camille five minutes ago, where it's like, well, they did this because they didn't have to get blood on their hands. So they're okay with it. And then yeah. Lila's like, um, bye. And then she just, she just ditches Camille and runs off. Yeah. Like, I guess, Quattro I guess she has to have a think. Also says specifically that earth is the new zombie family. Yes. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, I guess he's read his history books. I guess he's probably read up. He probably knows a little bit about the zombies. I think it's kind of impressive that, like... Yeah, Char, Char uh, told him about him in in a letter. In the letter that Char sent uh, a photograph of, of himself and Sela to Quattro. Yeah. Well, so well Quattro I mean, um, 
you know, Quattro would have been alive during the war. Um, I think if you do the math, he's like, he would have been 20 or something during the war. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he would have been, he probably would have been intelligent enough to, like, you know, read the news and know what's going on with the zombies. He probably would have been literate during the one year war. <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, that that they kind of resolve the, um, 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 Oh wait, hang on. I've got a very important theory that uh-huh. Colin, I am gonna need you to step outside the bit for just a second so that I can purport this fun theory. Okay. Um so my theory is that um, you know, Shara had hate new type brain, um, but Quattro does not have hate new type brain, and and if one were to suppose that they might be the same person, the the reason that Quattro does not have hit new type brain is because whenever Amuro Ray stabbed Char in the head, he got Char's one single brain cell that makes him hit new types and oh. and killed it, and that's why Quattro has a different opinion. It's like a, it's like a lover situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he removed the racism node from Char's head, or the hit new type, the classism. He he, re- he removed the old type node. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to to continue to be outside of the bit, um. I think it's uh, equally that just the Char's speech at the end of Mobile Suit Gundam, I think, ends up being more of um, just a speech that's antagonistic to what Amuro's worldview is. Like, that's really what it's there for. And mm. I think if they were to continue to write Char, they... I, um, if they're not going to continue with that line of thinking, it's probably just because they, they uh, found a better kind of, like way to take him um mm-hmm. and certainly if if you were to compare char and quattro as very similar people it seems like uh if quattro had a big hang-up that had him get involved with the war and now that's over uh kind of the thing that he's found after that is the importance of uh you know protecting the earth and returning it to like its former ecological glory before it became you know destroyed by industrial capitalism um and so you know uh whatever he thought during the war really doesn't matter at this point so <laughs> yeah it it's just final fantasy 7 yeah <laughs> it did kind of like touch my heart whenever at the start quattro was like well i think just soldiering is the only thing i know how to do and i was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah like you, are you ever just like a teen and you're really mad at the like family line that killed your father so you like join up in the military to like get revenge and then you train so you're really really good and you're just like a really good pilot and that's kind of the only thing you know how to do and then you kind of get your kind of revenge and then that's still the only kind of skill you have and then you just got to continue living your life and huh whew, same I'm gonna yeah. drink some more here uh, <laughs> Definitely uh, puts a little more weight behind the whole, you need to, you know, create a better world for the children that are going to come after you. Mm-hmm. And then also really kind of uh, maybe a dastardly underline to constantly telling this child <laughs> they have to be a combat pilot. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad can come of it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what happens after after this bit on, the, on Colony 30? Uh, now we get a space fight. Woo! I love it. <laughs> yeah. We get... We, we, the, <laughs> The writers were like, okay, we gave you a lot of exposition. We're going to give you some nice pickled ginger in the form of guns and lasers. Yeah. Here you go. Max, this is for you specifically. Gundam Mark <laughs> II has this sick fucking bazooka. I like the bazooka. Around. Yeah. Bazooka. Hey, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man, put a pin in that one. Uh, cause you don't even, uh, let me tell you what a certain mobile suit we're going to meet has in later episodes. Uh, yeah. Um, Camille shoots a, a guy in the mono eye and that was kind of hardcore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I think it's one of the Titans who sort of dives in front of, of Lila. I don't know if he's doing it to protect her or he just is like, was that the wrong time? But yeah, he just gets like blasted in the head right away. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, it's not what is... it is. It's not what it is. This is the the battle where uh, Abe and Babe uh, blacks and Hankle Hankin. Um, Hankin is like, oh, I I think that Camille should lead the attack on this one, and Quattro is just kind of sitting there like, mm, okay, guess I'll support him then. <laughs> so they're just putting the child right in front to see what happens. They're just fucking yeah. around and finding they're out. They're just Fine. like still they're doing it. Like all these episodes are just like let's just see what happens if we put this unstable unsupervised toddler in in like a multi-trillion dollar mech suit yeah um yeah. and for what it's worth camille like is zipping about and having doing a good job he's doing uh, new type stuff yeah i mean he yeah we get that shot of him hiding in like the crevice in the space colony after he kind of like dipped out behind the mirror or whatever mm-hmm. and he's just hiding and you get that that good breathing bit again and yeah. then a new type flash and he shoots lila oops Ah, beans. I will say, talking about how good Camille is and how he's fighting really good and must be a new type, but, like, I don't see it. Like, you mean, like, I I see it, but I don't, like... First Gundam did a really good job of making you feel that Amuro was doing an amazing job. Like, I spent a lot of First Gundam kind of marking out at, like, how Amuro was doing cool shit that no one else could do. But, like, I don't feel that in this. Like, people are just, like, saying it and talking about it. But the the, the only time, like, the first time I actually felt that was when Camille did the thing where he shot through a hole before he could see Lila and, like, hit her as she was going past. Because at yeah. that, I was like, oh, yeah, that, I did, I did Leonardo DiCaprio point at the screen and I was like, new type. Whereas before, it was just people saying it and I was kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and definitely, like, early on, it's much more, um, uh, wow, cool quattro than it is anything else anyways, so, um, <laughs> mm. but yeah, they're finally, you know, they, they're getting the space juice off of them, they're getting that in waves, and then finally Camille gets to, like, do a thing to traumatize himself. <laughs> A.K.A. kill a person! Yeah, um, Lila does mm. give us the best, uh, <laughs> It's so funny. Line. Uh... I just admitted that the child isn't uh, isn't anyone, and this realization unconsciously turns into apath- uh, antipathy. So, uh, so that's what it means to be an old type. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm an old type. Guess I'll die. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, I don't. It, it 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 added this bit of humor to it since it's like just the way she says it. It's like he's a new type, and I'm an old type. I'm old news, but like it it it's still like an intense moment. Cause it's like I did not expect Lila to die so soon. Yeah, I thought she'd be pretty important. But I guess I guess she sort of serves to be like you know Jared's main motivation at this point. Because during the battle, he was getting mad at Jamaican for not sending reinforcements because like she was basically out there alone at that point. Yeah, like I legitimately really did not expect Lila to die. Like I just have I have no notes on this because I was so shocked. <laughs> I've just got yeah. written in my notes. Oh Jesus, she's dead. Yeah, she just beefs it. Um, oh god, this isn't this isn't very close to when Garma died in uh in seventy nine, is it? 
Grandma yeah. was episode 10. This is not that I think about that episode every day in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't take it as funny as you, Max. Like, it kind of... Uh, maybe this is just big Gundam brain being filled with other so many big Gundam terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the thing that it, it, like, I really connected to it is, you know, we we know that Lila probably is a new type, the way that t- people talk about the way that she, like, reacts yeah. to other people yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, like, the thing that I like about this is it's more talking about, like, the reason that she's an old type isn't because she doesn't have this kind of expanded consciousness. It's that, uh, you know she she made the realization that oh this is just a kid i'm fighting uh and he's and he's good he isn't just anybody and the immediate thing that i i felt was like anger or disgust at that and that's why i'm not i'm not a new type i'm not going to be able to connect with people in a peaceful world after this and that's that's what it's kind of getting at for me (laughs) yeah that seems like a much more much more like accurate read of what's going on here the thing the thing that kind of really stood out to me about this battle was just like how freaked out she got at fighting Camille. Mm-hmm. Like he just really, really shook her by just being a child. Because at the first, when she first saw the Mark II Gundam, she was like, oh, that must be Quattro. I don't know if she knows who Quattro is, but she like assumed it was Quattro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finds out that it's not Quattro. It's, it's, a it's Bappy. the child and just kind of McFricking loses it. Yeah. Well, because she freaked out when she met him in the colony, too. She was, like, not okay with how young he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, she, but that happens. She she dies. Jared is really, really mad and crying and all that. And pressing F to pay respects. She was cool. If only because she, like, bullied Jared. Yeah, yeah. You know, I liked Lila. I'm sad she's gone. Yeah. But the battle ends, and the episode sort of ends with Camille getting back to the Argama. Everyone's yeah. congratulating him. It's like, you're a real pilot now. You killed a man. You killed someone. <laughs> yeah, you did it, buddy. They're saying some buckwild shit because they're saying he's the second coming of Amuro Ray. What? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, just like Amuro. Just yeah. like Amuro. But then Camille's like, nah, I kind of want to be a normal boy for a bit longer. So I'm not. I'm not going to be a pilot. That he doesn't want to be a child soldier. <laughs> Everyone just kind of assumes that he would want yeah. to be a child soldier and... He should be happy to have the privilege. You, congratulations, you get to experience trauma, Camille. You get to, you get to kill with impunity. Hey. Last yeah. episode. Pretty yeah. good. Episode. Uh, moving on, what's the next one? Episode 8, The Dark Side of the Moon. I have a lot I, to say about this. I love Pink Floyd. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I think this album doesn't get enough credit for, like, the vibe that rick wright gives to it like i genuinely think upon re-listen that like rick wright's like keyboard uh like landscape for this album just kind of carries the whole thing and like david gilmore's like soaring guitar parts in stuff like time or any color like it just wouldn't stand out if he didn't have that bass landscape that rick wright brings and like i don't think people recognize that enough um, you, here's, here's the thing is we now know that the kind of cheese the moon is, is cheddar is because it's become exactly old enough that it's no longer white and it's aged to yellow. <laughs> Max, do you have a bit you want to bring on here? No, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, I think it's like, it, it, it's sort of unfairly maligned as like a quintessential stoner album. Like, I think it definitely has a lot of merit outside of that. It's like, oh, you, you put on Wizard of Oz and listen to it. It matches it perfectly. It's like, you don't, I, I feel like not enough people sort of listen to it 
as like just its own sort of contained album experience. People, I feel people always sort of want to sell it as like, this is an album that you can like do drugs to or watch movies to. It's like, it doesn't have to be that, you know, it can just be a good album that you can listen to like on like technical merits other than like making your trip good. Uh, Y'all want to like kick me off this podcast because uh, I hate Pink Floyd. I don't really care for them either. Oh, I just okay. kind of assume. I don't. I like. I've never heard you say anything about Pink Floyd, but I just. I assume the thing about you. I just assumed that about you. Okay. You give off that vibe. I'm glad I give off <laughs> hating Pink Floyd energy. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna try and listen. I was gonna try and watch this episode along with listening to Dark Side of the Moon, but oh, I maybe don't do that. Time. Maybe one day. That could. That um, cannot end well. <laughs> So anyways, uh, Jared wants to pilot a new mobile suit, and it's his dead girlfriend's. Uh, yeah. He's having a guy fix it up cause he can, so he can use it right away, and he's like, oh, sure thing, boss, whatever. I'm not going to care about this. He he's, he's just trying to go rogue, I guess. Or not rogue, but like he's trying to you know really push it because he's mad about his mom getting killed. Yeah. And Emma and Quattro over at the Argama, they're still like, th- this is when it really starts hammering into Camille. Like everyone's chewing this mm. poor kid out for not wanting to be soldier. Yeah. But like I, Camille is throughout this episode. I was like, Camille is justified here. Like he, sh- he should be having a bad time because everyone expects him to be a child soldier. That is a normal thing. Um, yeah. He's valid. Yeah. He's valid. And, and like the worst thing is like, you know, people like, you know, Quattro and Emma come by is like, oh, oh, son, oh, kid, do you feel okay? Because you, cause you murdered that woman in combat. And he's like, I mean, you know, I'm processing it, but I mostly just don't want to be a soldier. So I don't have to keep doing that and keep processing those emotions. And they're like, you should you should really open up and tell us how sad you are about shooting the woman. And it's just like, and you know what? Ugh. You know what Quattro suggests? <laughs> Quattro says says the line in the dub that Quattro says is a bit of a workout could help. <laughs> he does. He's like, you got to get beefed up, dude. You got to exercise a little, you, you know. You got to get some creatine in you. Why Quattro is so jacked? Because every time he like murders someone in cold blood or in the heat of battle, he just goes and like lifts away the pin. Weightlifting is my therapy. Yeah. Who needs therapy when you have just games yeah and 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 continuing on camille's needing therapy bit emma's like i I think emma's like i mean almost certainly emma's sort of new type because (laughs) she's like i bet when you fought lila you felt a weird thing you don't know how to process it and camille's like "Eh, i don't want to talk to you right now and then he's he's like, like i'm gonna go work out yeah he's like oh you think i could just kind of like feel her feelings just because I'm a new type? No. I mean, obviously he could. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, but okay, this okay, this is when the very confusing conversation happens um, where Emma follows him to, quote-unquote, the gym, even though he doesn't go to the gym. He goes to the robot. He goes to, he goes to the library to work out his brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she starts talking about Amaro. Yeah, about the time that she was driving, and I I have missed the girlfriend part of this statement every single time I've watched it until you and some other people have brought it up what? this past year. Okay, yeah. because I didn't hear any of this conversation because I was too busy marking the fuck out about Emma not only having a girlfriend, she's got a girlfriend, but her and her girlfriend were taking a vintage gasoline-powered car, car for a yeah. road trip. 
Vintage gasoline-powered car is what fucking throws me through a loop every single time. It's so <laughs> funny. They were in Cheyenne, Wyoming. It's it's just yeah. okay, 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 okay. But though, but though, but though, but though, what what would you say would be like the modern equivalent of like having a vintage gasoline-powered car? What I would posit was it it would be kind of like having a having like a cottage with no electricity where you like light the fire and you grow your own vegetables and you live with your beautiful wife and you're also yeah. a girl and you're lesbians living in a Emma, Emma's Emma's cottage core is what yeah I'm um I would say it'd be kind of like having a completely sail powered yacht that you and your wife just go on you know cruises through the Mediterranean in but you know to each their own it's like it's like having a penny farthing yeah it's just fucking um, great I will say uh, like I've never read uh, other than the one girlfriend comment, which apparently I've missed every single time I watch this fucking show. Uh, I've never read Emma as gay. I've always read her as ace because of some other mm. comments that happen later on. But I think what we can confirm is Emma is 100% not straight because Henkin is there. And why on earth would you ever? It's just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, whatever it is, here. it's McFucking good. One can, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. I'm put, put, putting my hand up in court. One could be aced and have a girlfriend. This this is true. Yeah. Confirmed. <laughs> What's not good, though, is that Amuro Ray got all his money from his, his parents' inheritance. Yes. Okay. That's, like, the opposite of what the dub says. Really? So, yeah. Because the, 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 the sub is, like, pretty much, like, he seemed like this sad boy who was living off his parents' inheritance and et cetera in this fancy house. And so, like... Yeah, what did the what did the dub say exactly? Do you have okay, it so down it or anything? Basically, it says the same thing, but like just the way that it's phrased and the way I read it, she says, "Oh, like oh, I was traveling through Cheyenne, wherever the fuck that is, with my girlfriend in our cottage car, cottage core car, and we we met this kid, and oh, at first we thought he was just a spoiled rich kid, which was so funny because that's such an antiquated notion of the blah 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 blah." blah. But then later on, I realized that actually he was Amuro Ray, and like to me, that implies that the impression it I was got from in... him was that yeah. he was just a little kid. But that that wasn't actually the case because instead of that, he was Amuro Ray. That's sort of what it says in the sub as well. I I think you could probably read it both ways. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Then there's the thing like if you think about Amuro's parents, um, you know, ostensibly they lived in Canada before. So it wouldn't mm. make sense for them to have, like, a mansion in Wyoming. And Amro's mom didn't really seem to have a lot of money. Amro's dad didn't really seem to have a lot of money. But maybe, like, he just had it in a bank account somewhere. Or it might be, like, his military pension that got paid out when he died. Or... Yeah, that's I mean, what like, I'm thinking. Yeah. You could, I could definitely, if you told me that Amro inherited a fuck ton of money from his parents, I'd be like, okay, yeah, his dad got paid loads and loads and loads of money for designing His dad made Gundam. Yeah. So, so like, yeah. it makes sense, but it yeah. doesn't, like, that's what it, what it, again, what it feels like to me is that Amro is in, like, fucking witness protection jail and that the Federation are, like, paying him a shit ton of money to, like, stay in his own lane in a mansion in the middle of wherever yeah which it does make sense you know he is he is the hero of the one-year war he is the pilot of gundam and like probably one of the top gundam technicians to exist currently but there is a third explanation that we'll get very soon and i cannot wait to talk about that because <laughs> what it feels like to me because of the hashtag themes of this episode it feels like the federation are like this new type is too dangerous to be allowed in society 
so we have to pay him lots of money to stay in a mansion in Wyoming. We yeah. can't kill him, but we can't really get rid of him otherwise. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, this is a this is a resource that we can exploit, but that we fear. Yeah. And then so we so you know, th- there's this whole scene. Emma talks about how she could feel that Amro wanted nothing more than to go into space, and that like inspired her to go into space. And then um some more <laughs> wild shit happens. Yeah. She's like, I feel so relaxed now that I finally made it onto the Argama, like I'm at peace. And I realized it was Amuro when I met Quattro, who is good friends with Amuro, and they're very alike. And meeting someone like Quattro means that uh, like, now I know that Amuro Ray was Amuro Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Camille's like, "Oh, so you believe there's someone like Sharazdabal on this ship?" <laughs> and she's like, "Wait, you think I met Shar? Shar's in this ship?" <laughs> I mean, what it sounds like to me is that you just said you met Sharastable on this ship, and that's definitely what you said. It's like, it's, I, I guess Camille's brain is just so big that he's, like, putting things together that the audience and no one else in the show knows. Because Quattro yeah. is watching this happen, and Quattro's like, when, when this conversation starts, Quattro is, like, visibly uncomfortable and, like, confused. He's, like, yeah. listening in on the fucking, like, eavesdropping radios that are plunked all over this ship, and there's just, like, a big fucking zoom in whenever... Uh, he just he really wants to send another letter to Char, you know? It's so yeah. funny. Like, everyone just gets so confused after this. Because, like, even Camille doesn't really know what he said. He thought he said, like, oh, would you like to meet Char? Instead of saying, you've met Char. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It's, it is, I, his brain is too big, I guess. Yeah. He can't even figure out what he's saying. Yeah, it mm-hmm. also kind of feels like Camille doesn't even know what he's saying. He's just like, yeah. wait, what? You think I said Char's here? I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, he says it and immediately yeah. forgets it. His buffer is that small. I mean, like, to be fair, like, he didn't say, oh, Emma, you've definitely met Char. He's just like, oh, well, Emma, like, Lamau sounds like you've met Char. Ha, ha, ha. And then Emma just kind of, like, does fast eyes emoji at him five million times. Yeah. Yeah. But I I also, I want to give a bit more because, like, again, like, I, I, I went back and kind of looked at the translation a little bit. Because, uh, again, the dub is slightly different from the sub. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, the vibe that I got that they were trying to get at this was that, like, after meeting Amaro, Emma, like, inherited his vibes, as in the vibes of, man, I really want to fucking go into space, and I want to be part of a ship, just like uh, uh, the Argama, um, and that, you know, once she arrived at the Argama, that, like, driving force, which she had, like, inherited from Amaro, had disappeared. What is what? What else could the vibes of Amuro Ray be than a lesbian who maintains her own vintage gasoline-powered car? Chef's <laughs> yeah. kiss. The perfect vibe. Yeah. We do um, love. On my other note is that new types are stand users and they draw each other together. <laughs> yeah, that that also checks out. Um, luckily, this uh, conversation gets cut short before we can figure out what it's actually about uh, by somebody attacking the the Argama. Hmm. Jared's here, and he's pissed as all hell. Yeah. Jared? Jared's pulling a bit of a Camille here, because he's stealing mobile seats now. Yeah. Yeah! He, he, his orders are to only just, like, find where the Argama is and report back, but he's like, no, I want to get this asshole who killed my mom. <laughs> and it works, because, like, you know, he's able to tilt Camille... Camille gets sent out, Quattro gets sent out later, and it's really cool this fight, because they're they're on the moon at this point, so it's oh, low yeah. gravity. It's it's cool. It's not like a full space fight. I like it. 
Max, for a second, it took me a second to realize which one of them you were talking about, because Jared also killed Camille's mom. It works both ways. <laughs> listen, they have a little conversation about it. Yeah. They do! You know, listen, sometimes I kill your mom, you kill my crush slash mom, fucking electro-complex ass person. <laughs> just, 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 they're just having a little wrestle. Just um, having a tussle. I also... The, the the scene of Camille uh like taking off from the argument, it's like when you have a yard and there's a dog in the yard and like a car drives past the yard and the dog just goes for the car that's driven past the yard. It was really funny. Like he just he sees a mobile suit and he has to chase it. I love it. He Camille. just goes. <laughs> he just goes. At one point during this fight, I, I think like Jared like stops reporting back. And Jamaican, you know, in the Titan ship, he's like, oh, Blex must have eliminated him. I, does this mean Blex used to be part of the Federation if Jamaican knows him? Is that what this is implying? Or is it, if, am I, like, uncovering some dark makes secret? Sense to me. Yeah, if if not, like, thinking that they have kind of uh, information on who the kind of, like, top uh, okay. members are doesn't seem that unusual. Listen, right, yeah. uh, Jamaican's probably seen some of Blex's old porn films. Like, was yeah. it <laughs> Yeah, no, that's yeah, it. I mean, Jamaican does kind of have a uh, a Blux and Henkin vibe to him. He just doesn't spend near enough time in the gym. Yeah, or he's in just the, like worse. the sun tanning pod. <laughs> yeah, or, or like perving out on people. Do you think that on the Argama they have like tanning booths because so that the crew can get their like vitamin D, but just Blux and Henkin spend like so much more time than necessary in them. I think they don't they don't need that because they're in space. So like whenever they're flying, like they're in the solar system, I guess they could just probably fly a little bit closer to the sun. Because okay. like there's not yeah. really anything to filter out UV rays in space. So they're just like they just like stand naked in front of like one of the windows of the Argama. Yeah, Blex and Henkin peeled the UV protection layer off of the Argama bridge yeah. windows. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a nice healthy glow. Gotta get that vitamin D. Yeah. 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 Um, what I like about this fight is that Jared has the advantage because there's like a little bit of gravity. Yeah, it's cool. It's like it's not cool. pure space, so Camille yeah. isn't really used to it. There's like yeah. a little bit of gravity to pull his soul down, and so he's better. I I do also love they just immediately start wrestling again. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they, they they run out of ammo so fast because they're fools and just want to shoot guns. Yeah. Um, and fucking uh, Jared whips a beam saber out and cuts Camille's. Uh, a rifle in half, and the whole thing yeah. explodes. Mm. It's um, it's cool. Uh, Camille, Guess this is the end for Camille. He in fact Robbie's. is about to get owned. <laughs> he is about to get owned, unless have, unless unless for like the fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> Quattro comes and saves the day. Uh, he pushes Jared back. Jared has to retreat. He's like, they're talking about how like Jared is attacking him like crazy because he was possessed by Lila's revenge. Yeah. Yeah, because totally normal people who aren't new types and aren't Char Asnabel can simply sense that a person is possessed by the grudge of a dead comrade. It's just a yeah, thing that normal people that. like Camille and Quattro can do. <laughs> Listen, Quattro vibe-checked Jared, and Jared completely failed. His vibes are rancid. He must exit the House of Vibes. Yeah. You know, um, everyone always is like, oh, Emma, how could you possibly betray the Titans and leave them like that? And no one simply considers that the Titans had bad vibes and Emma simply did not want to be around them. <laughs> Just absolutely rancid vibes. <sighs> and, and, God. And the last thing from this scene, 
is Quattro being like, you're still a baby, Camille. You have to stop getting, you know, stop flying off the handle, stop getting too heated and tilted and all this, because mm-hmm. you're going to be a soldier. This is not up to, this is not a question. This is a command. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be a child soldier and you're going to like it. You're going to have fun doing murder. But first we're <laughs> going to go on a little holiday to Granada. Yeah. We're going well, to the moon, baby. So the Arma goes to a city called Ama, and then the Titans go to a city called Granada. Yeah. But does... it, which are both moon cities. Yes. Um, and, you okay. know, the cool thing about moon capitalism is that if you're th- the Titans and you dock there, your whole crew gets a 20% off coupon. That's very funny <laughs> to me. I love that. That's such a cute bit. Yeah. Uh, to what? Who knows? <laughs> To, to McDaniel's burger place. <laughs> to McDaniel <Yeah>. burger. <laughs> and so, okay. And it, once again, the episode just keeps hitting hard and hard yeah. and hard. Because yeah. Quattro, first of all, wearing normal clothes. He looks sick as hell. I love he to has, see it. Oh, that's such a good fit. Like, Okay, I'm gonna. I'm about to ruin it. Because uh, Quattro is wearing the, uh, the BBC Sherlock Sherlock coat. Oh, God. It, you're it right. is just a black Which is a good coat. coat. Yeah. To be fair. I'd rather see Quattro wear it than anyone else. Um, hey, um, Sarah, do you know what year that the BBC Sherlock first came out in? Uh, like 2010? And do you know when Zeta Gundam came out? Was it, was it, was it, was it 2010? I think it was 1985. So I don't oh, think okay. that, I don't think that Quattro is wearing a BBC Sherlock jacket. I think <laughs> BBC Sherlock is wearing a Quattro jacket. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm with you, Don. I'm with you. Don. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's going though. He's yeah. going to a private room. Yeah, he goes to his room. He he puts his briefcase <laughs> on the desk. He picks up a totally normal picture of him and his sis- sister, uh, Tetra Bagina. Um, <laughs> Quintadongus. <laughs> Not Quintadongus. <laughs> and and a guy named uh, Kignan comes in. Yeah, and he's like, "Hello, Char." <laughs> why I don't know why he calls him that. Yeah. Just- uh, <laughs> You'll always be Shara Sharazmel to me, sir. Uh, I think it's because, you know, Colin, like, you'll always be Quattro Bajina to me because of that one time you cosplayed Quattro. So yeah. um, it just yeah. means that Quattro at some point has cosplayed Shar, and and that's that explains it. <laughs> I I will say, I do, I, I, I still think he is simply Quattro Bajina, but I had forgotten that this is how early they actually do come out and say that he is Shar Hasnabella. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we... The guy that like talks to him is he someone from 0079 that we're supposed to recognize? No, I, I don't sh- think so. Okay, I think, okay. yeah, I th- he's just a contact. But like, they just start spouting terms. It's like the Neon Genesis opening with just, like the keywords that are flashing across the screen right now. Because he's like, okay, check this out. It's a photo of the asteroid belt. There is a nuclear pulse going off here. Axis is on its way to Earth now. Uh, the ghost of Zeon is awaking. Yeah, Quattro's like, is, is Haman Karn twenty years old yet? Just, it's just, it's just so much, so much is Are happening. Everything happens so much. Are we supposed to know who Haman Karn is? No. Okay, because it, like, I just assumed that it was someone I'd forgotten about from Double Seventy Nine. Yes. Uh, so Haman's twenty now, uh, which is the age that Shar was when Shar murdered uh, the Zabi family. That's wild. Who? Uh, maybe that's related. Maybe they threw. Maybe they just like the age twenty. Who knows? Um, and it's a nice number. Uh, something called Access. Uh, Access, excuse me, is using a nuclear pulse to move from the asteroid belt back into the Earth sphere. Hmm, this is wild. What do you think? Uh, any? You know, this sounds yeah, like it might be some fun later. Yeah. the 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 only thing I picked up from this is that like. Grips can be driven around. 
Yes. Yeah. Because they talk moves. about that, like, oh, Grips is moving. Basque is moving it. Like, you, so you can just drive it like a colony. You can just kind of beep, beep, let's go. <laughs> yeah. You know the big cup that's at one end? Uh-huh. So the the way that you move them is you uh you detonate like nuclear devices in that cup, uh which then kind of like blasts the colony oh. in a direction, so they can kind of like use that to maneuver them. And but that basically sounds... they they only use them to like you know if they if they build them over inside one and then they'll move them to side three or something like that. Or make it. That seems like a little um. That's like inefficient. That. So well, I mean, think think of the amount of rocket fuel you'd need to get one of those big old boys going. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah, that's why I was like, you can just drive it. Um, <laughs> just drive it. <laughs> it's got like a little horn. You can you can like pull the lever and it goes boop boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except you don't hear it because you're in space. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a vacuum, yeah. of course. Yeah. I, I, it's probably nothing important that they're talking about Xeon's ghost and Axis being similar things, I think, because... There definitely weren't any, like, sort of Axis powers, Third Reich allegories that they made in 0079 about Xeon. Yeah, and ev- everyone off of, off of Xeon, you know, got killed. No one escaped on any kind of escape capsules at the end of Um, yeah, I definitely that. think that it's safe to assume that you, you can make the jump that Axis is the ghost of Xeon. Right. That's what I, I gathered that. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't pay attention to any of this because I was too look busy looking at the drip on Quattro's shirt, which is like, oh my She's god. She's got drip. Yeah. The drip, it's got like these two like double fleet dart vent things in the back that just, mm, the way it hangs is so beautiful. I mean, he, he's got a, he's got that tiny little waist and those gigantic shoulders. <laughs> he's, he's built like a JoJo's part three character. He is, he is a Dorito man. <laughs> He's got ha- he's got a half hourglass body. He's he's like if you took John Cena and turned the Bishojo slider up to maximum. <laughs> like he's basically got no butt, but the little bit of butt he has is just like Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he he the, the 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 your man is like, "Hey, so you need to go and uh, get a burger to do some clandestine, yeah. you know." I I believe he hands him a letter from someone named Wong Lee that says, "Meet me at McDaniel." <laughs> Meet me at McDaniel. McDaniel. Is this when he gets the phone call? He gets a phone call, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This, he gets like a, a little Skype from the sort of like operator mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, of of mm-hmm. Amon. How much and, does it cost? Uh, like fifteen cents. Okay, in the in the. In the dub, it costs fifteen dollars. What the hell? For a thirty-second call. That is probably a a mistranslation somewhere based on on probably converting back and forth in yen. Probably uh-huh. the yeah, so probably the like sub 100. is like uh oh yeah it's it's you know fifteen hundred or uh one hundred and fifty like as in you know cheap. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, the dub is probably like oh it's supposed to be expensive. <laughs> I thought this was like. Just like a wild little piece of world building to point out how much like inflation had gone up. Yeah, it's, fifteen it's dollars was like no money. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. told me that's what happened, I would one hundred percent believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, inflation just it. be like that. Also, uh, the moon does seem like a capitalist hell- hellscape. If we're being real, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh. After all this, so yeah, he's like has to meet Wong Lee at McDaniel. Yeah, we we cut over to the Titans in Granada. Jamaican is like going to get thrown in the. Jamaican is going to have Jared thrown in the brig for uh, shithead crimes. Yeah, and he we see Jared's good friend Kakarcon, 
who's he's like asking permission. He's like, "Do I have permission to avenge Lila? Like, I got some, I got some nice choice information. And like, once you're out of the brig, I can bring you on as reinforcements in this operation that's coming up." Do you not know it was Kakarikon, Sarah? No, I for for like the whole next like two episodes, I was like, "Who the fuck is Kakarikon?" <laughs> um, that everything makes sense now. Keep going. Yeah, he's you know he's the 24 year old that looks 85. Yeah, sure does. He's just been stressed. Yeah. But Camille and Emma are driving on the moon. They're, they see like a big old, like, they're in, they're in like Junk City. They see this gigantic yeah. uh, colony that's crashed there. They see Mount Trashmore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Emma's like starts to say something about like, she's like, I realize now why the Titans were truly created. And like, it's because of all this. And then uh, they get attacked by Kakarikon. Yeah. Which, mm. So the conversation's mm. cut short. We'll never find out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then Quattro goes to McDaniel Burger. Yeah. Quattro gets a burgie. Yeah, at McDaniel's with their their well-known legendary green clown mascot. <laughs> what is this? It's like it's like mint flavor Ronald McDonald. <laughs> but it, it looks more like a Jack in the Box clown, though. It does. It looks like if like the Jack in the Box uh, gained weight to look like a Pillsbury Doughboy and then got covered in mint. <laughs> Is this is is this supposed to this is this is supposed to be like a McDonald's kind of thing, right? Yes, yeah. almost I, certainly. I I didn't that didn't occur to me. Oh, I was just I, like, I, oh, <laughs> McDaniel's sounds like a normal name for a burger place. McDaniel sounds more like it's like a like a sort of alcohol than a burkey place. Yeah, I mean or to like be a fair, pub. I did yeah. live whenever I lived in Glasgow. My local like family bakery was called McDonald's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's normal. Just McDaniel's. It's, it's they do just nice normal. burgers. It's like a family-run burger restaurant, except it's not family-run. Fucking apparently, uh, Henkel's here. Henkel's here. Henkin. He's he's disguised as a fry cook. It's very I, funny. I love his outfit. It's so perfect. How do we know it's, this is Henkel? He has the same mustache. Oh uh, yeah, no. Well, no. It's very easy. You can clearly tell he's he's Henkin because he doesn't have anything covering his face. He doesn't have glasses <laughs> or a mask on, so we can clearly see it's him. Okay, yeah, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Quattro is here meeting with Wong Lee, who's an AU investor, giving them money. And Quattro is here to basically tell Wong Lee, let's not attack Jaburo. It's a bad idea. We don't have enough battle power. Uh, it would cause a lot of pollution. We would get stuck in the gravity well, so we wouldn't really have an easy way to escape. Why don't we destroy grips instead yeah it's like you know it's their operating base in space we want to get him out of space let's just do it let's just do it yeah but fucking sponsorship bullshit capitalism you you, you gotta <laughs> do what the sponsor says fuck yeah. this you do Wang Li mentioned something about um what, what is it called caraba which is like their i guess au sort of support forces and he's like yeah give them your mobile suits and then you guys can just hang out and take a rest in space yeah uh, it's basically like Wong Lee's like, those mobile suits are going down to Earth whether you like it or not. You can hand it to Caraba's Italian Grill uh, yeah, or you can you. pilot thank them you. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I drive by a Caraba's every single day of my life. <laughs> and and the last thing we sort of get, we sort of, we got to see a little friend, don't we? Oh, yeah. We, we go back to the gunfight in the landfill. Boy. And yeah, um, Camille finds a certain friend. Well, also, Camille boy. is kind of, like, being attacked by Kukarikon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to point out that his gun holster, like, zips up. He has to unzip the holster for his gun. That, that's I, is, is that just me that that's wild, too? I, I don't know. 
Uh, it's so the gun. Uh, I I mean, you're you're bumping around in low gravity. You don't want your gun to just fly out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 so yeah, they're having like a big fight in amongst the wreckage of like a crashed space colony on the moon that was from the one year war that crashed in the one year war. Gotta wonder how it got there. <gasps> and he's getting shot at, but as he's getting shot at, a little piece of <clears throat> debris falls and deflects the bullet. A little perfectly spherical green piece of debris. Haro, take bullet. Haro would take a bullet for you. Haro saved his life. And Haro wasn't even, like, alive. It is so good. Like, I guess Haro's is fully bulletproof, because he doesn't make a dent or anything. He's just fine. Haro gets shot later as well. Uh, Yeah, Haro is immune to bullet. Uh, Haro is immune to bullet. It's a miracle. This drive off with him. Like, at first I was just like... So, like, he gets saved and, like, the, the Kakarikon fucks off for whatever reason. And Camille just, like, picks up Haru and, like, takes him with him. And I was kind of, at first I was like, why does Camille do that? Like, but the thing is, if you see a thing that's shaped like a friend, you, you gotta just gotta take have it. it. You, you gotta, gotta have, have it. it. See ball, take ball. Gotta have that ball. Mm-hmm. Nice episode. Nice episode. I also, yeah. this means I realized that, like, Haro got left behind at the end of 0079, and that made me really sad for, like... Yeah, the- like, what the hell? Well, I... I well, no, nah, not necessarily. There's yeah. a line later that... Yeah. Oh, okay. ...tells us the origin. There's, there's, um, there's, we can, there's a really weird line later. We'll get into there's it. There's a, a lot of weird lines later. Uh, what's episode 9 called? A new bond with Haro. <laughs> James, a new James Bond. Yeah. We are, we are at an hour and nine, so maybe we can pick up the pace on this. Holy fuck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've been talking. I, these episodes were just like incongruous, so we Everything really had to like spend so some much. time. Uh, well, and you know, this one might have the most to talk about in it too. Yeah. <laughs> oh Max, my we, God. This is going to be a two-hour podcast. Fucking yeah, suck yeah, it yeah. up. Oh, um. So we're on Earth. We, we zoom in to the, the Amazonian jungle. Yeah. We're down at we Jabiro Beach. Jabiro Beach, which is landlocked. <laughs> Listen, uh, hey, 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 there's beaches in the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rekoa is on a little dinghy on the on the river, yeah. spying on Jabiro. Yeah. She's counting big boy planes that are flying yeah, overhead. Like 45 of them at this point. And then like some Federation soldiers are like, hey, come here. They have guns and all that. Um, and then I blacked out and something happened. I don't really know exactly what. Sarah, would you like to describe what happens? <laughs> Bitch ass white suit jungle boy, here we come. (laughs) Why is he? I mean, I know why he's here. Yeah. (sighs) Hey, yeah. So uh, a a a whip comes from off screen and disarms some of the soldiers. A suave looking gray haired man in a white suit, blue tie, blue shirt looking good kind of disarms them, takes them to the house, does some fucking tight Indiana Jones ass tintin fucking shit, and then introduces himself as Kai Shiden to us. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. His introduction is like, yeah, I'm a reporter, I'm in the jungle, I have a whip, yeah. let's uh, spy on the Federation. Yeah. I have, a, so I have a, I am a freelance journalist, certainly yeah. not a super spy with a bullwhip and a Walter BBK and a white suit in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> it's so I didn't, funny. It didn't ever, it never, it never occurred to me that the adventures of Kai Shiden could be something that I craved, but now I crave it. 
It's just, it, he's he's here. It's Kai. We don't get like a whole lot of Kai Khan in here because we sort of quickly cut away after he rescues Reko and, and runs the Federation off. Yeah. But, because, I mean, is this not enough to just see? Yeah, I yeah, know. true. If, if we get 10 seconds of Kai in every episode henceforth, I'll be happy and satisfied. <sighs> just, like, oh man. I'll write and, my own adventures of Kai Shuden in my yeah, head. Yeah. What's he been up to for the last eight years? At least we do get the very good Kai line of, you're allowed to run around the trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just... It's, like, he's telling, he's telling that it's slightly different in the in the dub, and I think it's better, actually, because, like, he's, like, about to shoot at the guys, he's like, run away, run away in a straight line, and the guy is like, I can't, how am I gonna run in a straight line when there's trees? And he's like, oh my god, run around them, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. I love him so my much. My boy is back. And then we cut to some Titans, Kakakon, yeah. someone else are like eating burgies. Yeah, they got them from McDaniels. They talk, <laughs> they talk about how their friend Masada should be at Granada by now. Masada, Granada. It's, it's a, a lot of names here. Masada. And they're talking about how the Federation, we, we sort of cut to like some docking bay. And Jamaican is talking to some rep of someone who is saying the Federation is not going to resupply the Titans, but maybe Anaheim will. And Ana, it's like Anaheim is like a big sort of... I like. I guess they're like a weapons producer, like a sort of military industrial company, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. like a they're like a Raytheon or something. Um, ah, cool, great, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, there's. Um, hmm. Uh, I don't want to talk about it now because it's about a specific character that hasn't shown up yet. Um, but mm. there is some nasty shit uh, involving Tomino opinions um that recently got found out uh in the the Gundam translation community uh mm. that I just you know this is this was hot news uh people were talking about it in the discord uh mm -hmm. in spoilers because you know it, it is a spoiler you guys uh sh like shouldn't need to see it until it's relevant but I just yeah. want people to know that uh yes at least I'm aware and we will bring it up on the show when it becomes like specifically relevant, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've already heard some fucking garbage opinions from Tomino. So yeah, can't wait. Can't <laughs> yep. wait. Um, but what I do want to see is Camille fixing up Haro. Yeah. Yes. Cam yeah. Haro, Haro says Amuro. 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 <laughs> Amuro. Amuro. I love them so much. <laughs> um, and 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 yeah, uh, Emma just, comes in ah. and is like, "Come on, Camille, we gotta go. You're you're a soldier now." And Camille's like, "I I I don't think that's true." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I never said, "Yes, I'm a soldier." I keep telling you, I don't want to be a pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got to like go get dressed because they're gonna do a mission. Um. We, we we cut down to Kai and Rekwa. They're like in a boat ah! on the Amazon. Kai seems to like know everything and just kind I, of be he, here to help her. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can only imagine he's been camped out here because he's like doesn't maybe he's also just like doesn't like the Federation anymore. Cause he's because he's like he, he mentions that they've moved Jabro. It's somewhere in the jungle, but it's not where it used to be. So mm -hmm. they're like. We have to, and, and he's like, okay, well, Rekko, even if you find Jopero and find out where they are, like, you don't have anything to, like, transmit back to the Ayug, so you have to basically hijack Jopero's communications itself. Let's go find it. Yeah, he comes up with, like, a fucking improbable plan that might not work, but that's very plucky and courageous to, like, go into Jopero and hijack you. Yeah. It's just, it's very Tintin of him. Fucking it, adventures it's of just, Kaishiden. He's just Tintin. Yeah. <laughs> um... And then, and then we get the bad scene. 
Yes. God. Um, uh, yeah, you know, Wong's having a conversation with some people about how, you know, uh, the Titans don't uh, see what's coming, but, you know, in- uh, Europe didn't believe America was going to be a power for a long time, blah, 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 blah. And then he sees uh, Emma and Camille walking up, and he gets out and just starts laying into Camille about being late and arrogant and starts literally beating the shit out of him. Um, for literally no reason, I still no cannot figure out why just, he did it. He just does it right away. Yeah. Um, and Quattro just lets it happen and, like, pulls Emma off to the side and they go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I, uh, and he starts, he's then, he's like, oh, are you late because of that toy? Referring to Harrow. Uh, we get some stuff about how Camilla's like, I, I, this, this, this toy might have important information on it. Um... But, like, he just keeps getting hit, yeah. and it sucks. Yeah, Wong, ke- like, keeps hitting him and says, you're not an intelligence officer, you're a pilot. If you don't want to, if you don't pilot a, a Gundam, you're going to get thrown in space. You know, you need to stop talking and apologize to me. It's bad. It's really bad. He literally, like, knocks him out. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then Camille, like, wakes up in just, like, a- the changing rooms. Seemingly. Yeah, in the locker room. And, the, like, the fucking guys are there, like, eh, hey, a new type, you're awake, eh? They're like, you shouldn't have talked back to Mr. Wong like that. Like, this is what Quattro says. Yeah. Um. This is... So, I know it's really easy to bring up, like, Nazi Germany and stuff when talking about Gundam because, like, the obvious yeah. visual aesthetics are there and the uh-huh. text is there. Um, but a thing that often gets left out of the uh, out of the conversation is Japan's own military history, and the Imperial Japanese Army was actually like super well known for using corporal punishment above all else. Like the American military is pretty well known for using psychological conditioning, uh, and if you were in the Japanese Imperial Army, it was expected that you were going to get the shit beat out of you constantly. And once you got promoted up to being an officer, it was expected that you would beat the shit out of people under you constantly. And huh. uh, it's it's one of the things that people suspect is the reason that it was so easy for them to commit war crimes, and in general, just like a really awful way that they conditioned people to follow orders no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. And including it in Gundam, I feel is probably like cultural in that, you know, uh, this is, this is what, you know, people at the time thought of when they thought of the military. And Mm -hmm. then also, you know, uh, as much as I think it goes way too far, uh trying, trying to point out that yes, the AU is not perfect. Uh, You know, that these kind of little hints of like kind of gross stuff that you know of of people basically trying to groom Camille into a combat pilot uh, isn't just something that you can look over. Like they're giving a big physical thing for you to look at and go, "Oh well, Ayug might also be bad." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like you know Emma and Quattro are like, "Yeah, that's that's just how it is in the military," and and then Camille also is like, Ex- "But that that guy was a sponsor. Like that guy's not in the army." Um, which is also he gives us money. Out. We gotta listen to him, though. Um, yeah, again, fucking sponsors. Um, and fucking Quattro is just like, yeah. Well, if you don't want people to beat you up, you gotta get good. You gotta get these gains, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, to sort of kick salt in the wound, he's like, yeah, that Haro's a marketed item. You just rescued like a toy. Yeah. Uh. So, um, I do. I do. You know. 
uh, not to lighten the mood too much, but this does mm-hmm. bring us to the third theory of why Amuro is rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, I, I think oh, I shall what? subscribe to this theory. Oh, shit. That, that he, because, I mean, it's, you know, I think the thing we're supposed to take from Mobile Suit Gundam is that Amuro made Haro. Haro is Amuro's yeah. design. And so, mm-hmm. therefore, after the war, he sells the design to a toy company and makes a bunch of money on royalties. And that's why he's rich. Nah, this yeah, I can fuck with. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is it, baby. Yeah, the only thing it. better than one beautiful green ball friend is hundreds and millions of beautiful green ball friends. <laughs> Haro's a, Haro is a minion. Yeah. What if um your show like depended on a toy company? I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. Um, the other good scene, the other good <laughs> thing in the scene is that Haro does say Camille's name. Yes, Camille, Camille, Camille. Um, amidst everyone trying to be, you know, big older sibling to Camille and still hitting him more and telling him he needs to stop pretending to be a child, um, it's just, you know, at least Haro's there and acknowledging his existence without like asking. At least Haro's there. Yeah. When when there is one just drag line in the sand, that's when you stood on top of Haro and and he rolled forward carrying you. Yeah. <laughs> So I think we have to talk about the line now, oh, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, oh yeah. So you you mean you mean the line uh, where Camille says, "I'm just a neurotic teenager." Oh, is that the way they say in the oh, dub? That's what the line is. That's what that's what the line is in the. In so the dub. that's probably hmm. more accurate to what they meant when they wrote the line, because in Japanese the line is, "I'm an autistic child." Um, and if you want a full breakdown of that, um. Uh, please go listen to the very good po- uh, podcast, Mobile Suit Breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. The episode that they do for, or yeah, the episode they do for this episode, uh, which should be uh, season two, episode ten, um, has a really, really good breakdown at the end of it of uh, what the Japanese medical community thought autism was at the time, um, what how they went about, um, you know, uh, uh, handling issues involving autism and that kind of stuff, what the public perception of autism was, what the specific translation says. Yes, they do use the term for autism that would have been used at the time in Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um, And then goes into what uh, Tomino thinks autism is and what, and uh, basically Tomino doesn't know what autism is at all. He just, he basically meant, oh yeah, like, you know, uh, uh, Camille is depressed and he has anxiety and he feels that he can't connect to anybody. And so that means he has autism, um, which is not correct. And Tommy does a bastard man uh, is mm-hmm. what it comes down to it. But mm-hmm. um, for like a full, really good, well-researched deep dive, uh, please go listen to that episode of Mobile Suit Breakdown. Yeah, sometimes sometimes Tom and Nina uh, do uh, break down the very important cultural, cultural, cultural yeah. <laughs> context around Gundam. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Um, yeah like you know uh to be very serious about it i've looked long and far for like really good english language breakdowns of that and mobile suit breakdown has the best one so i would i would highly recommend going there uh it's it's a good show and also like that's that's good information i'm not gonna uh try to dumb it down or just repeat it whole cloth like just yeah listen everything i know about gundam as Things comes from Apple Suit Breakdown, so literally can't recommend <laughs> yeah, them we're, enough. We're not a, we're, we're not equipped to t- handle this. We're the, we're the Gundam podcast that makes jokes yeah, about I getting jacked read. in space. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah, I, I guess going going further to lighten the mood, can we talk about the minion now? Our golden Ooh. boy, the giant gold Gundam Hyakushiki is so good. 
uh, with his blue overalls. <laughs> Hyakushiki is here. A hundred shikis is here. A hundred shiki, a thousand shiki. Just a big, shiny, golden banana. I love it. Bazooka! Bazooka! <laughs> bazooka. Does Hyakushiki has a, have a bazooka? Wait, wait, wait. Sarah? Yeah? Bajina! <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> Bajina! <laughs> Yeah, Quattro get a new robot. He doesn't have a red one anymore. It turns to gold, because he's the golden boy. Uh, fucking, you know, just mask off, no glasses. Appley, I can't, I don't know if it's Appley or Roberto, but they're like, oh man, yeah, you know, your your mobile suit colors, they always get real popular after you use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, everyone knows. Yeah. Um, for the record, I know they talk about how it's like, oh, it's brightly colored so that we won't mistake you for an enemy on the battlefield. But I know, like, kind of another thing is it's the reflective gold is supposed to be an anti-beam coating, too. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've read that. That's pretty cool yeah. that, like, we're going to try something buckwild. We're going to put the fine as a gold foil, <laughs> the edible gold on this Hyakushiki, and you yeah. can't shoot this boy with a laser. Oh, uh, it's, you know, uh, Yakushiki does mean Mark 100 or something. So that's, you know, it's fun. It's the big that's boy. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's big boy alert. Yeah. And please, I guess. Hmm? Please tell me he has this for the rest of the series. Uh, yes, actually he does. Yes! <laughs> oh, I just, it's just forever minions. Vagina! 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 And, and, <laughs> And shambles. I guess Camille is just fine now because I, I it's because Haro's with him. Oh, yeah. Haro's like bouncing around joyfully, putting his little bunny ears out. Sir, this gets, is my emotional support robot. This is my emotional support orb. <laughs> and he gets in the cockpit of Mark II and, and Haro comes with him. Haro's yeah. in the cockpit. Yeah. Haro's like, Camille, catch me. Yeah. It's Camille, so good. Camille even jumps out to grab Haro and then I, bring him into the into the. Wouldn't the you? Yeah. Yeah. He's my buddy. And like the thing is, I thought this was gonna like result in a thing in this episode where like he'd be going somewhere with Haro and like someone would recognize Haro, but no, he's just Haro's just there vibing for the rest of the time. It's like yeah. if if you have a Haro in the show. It's got to be on screen as much as possible, or else what's the point? And the showrunners clearly seem to know this, so yeah, here he is. And I mean, it's the incredible common uh, toy Haro. Everyone's seen a Haro. Oh, yeah. It's certainly yeah. not a, ha- a Haro that has chips that Amara Ray personally put into it, and so that the Haro would know his name or anything. You know, maybe yeah. has, probably not. Yeah. Uh, might well, have. Here, here's yeah. the here's the thing. Everyone knows Amuro Rei is a, a famous war hero, so everyone wants to pretend like they're Amuro, which is why the default voice in Haro is to call you Amuro. <laughs> and there's no like comment earlier in the episode about how the chips in Haro are like ten years old. Um, yeah, I can't read. Know. Who knows? Yeah, it's impossible to say. Yeah, it's impossible to say. Um, yeah. so yeah, uh, Camille got to go fast. Yeah, zoom, zip, zoom. He's, he's got to catch up with the boys. The boys. We get a scene too uh, after he takes off to go to Quatcher and the others. Um, I think it's uh, Jamaica, a Jamaican, who's talking with um, another person, some, some representative of Anaheim or something, or maybe Granada. But he's like, "Okay, we need to capture Anaheim. They might be also supplying the AU. We got to take it for ourselves, but we got to be nice." So Basque wants us to capture this without fighting. Make sure to tell Chairman Melanie Hugh Carbine this. That name is long, so I imagine it's important. 
We will be talking about him later. Do you? Don't okay. Worry. Oh, okay. Is he Space Dracula? <laughs> he is not Space Dracula. Oh, okay. Nah. Does What's Space Dracula point? have a better name? Yes. Okay. I mean, he, he could be called Space Dracula, and I would love him forever. So. <laughs> They're calling him the Edward Cullen of Gundam. I, I hope people aren't mad that I told you about Space Dracula. <laughs> I'm not gonna know. Like, it's like it's like spoiling things in JoJo's yeah. without context. It's just a cool thing to look forward to. And then when I get there, I'll be even happier. For the record, I did all I told you is that there is a space Dracula that's gonna show up. So um, that's all yeah. I need to know. It's the Zacrello from 0079. Yeah, it just can bite blood now. <laughs> um, Camille has a line where like they finally kind of explain to him sort of what the mission is doing, where they're gonna go catch capture a ship and like the 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 fed the federation is kind of with Aug and this and Camille is just like why is it so complicated fucking same buddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> th- th- like this whole fighting it- it's like interspersed with like all this weird you know economic intrigue and like my brain just shorted out for like the rest of this episode i just had no <laughs> yeah. damn clue what was happening this is the thing about Zeta Gundam is there's a lot of interesting factional stuff that's going on and it's all going on off screen yeah. Like, um, oh man, uh, uh it's like, um, it's like what, listening to Friends of the Table counterweight, but skipping mm. all of the faction play episodes, so you just don't know what's happening except for the pilots. <laughs> uh, but like, the yeah. thing is, it kind of, to compare it to Pink Floyd's album Dark Side of the Moon, uh, where this ought to be Richard good. Wright lays out like a background of just like synth vibes, and like, you don't have to like listening to that isn't where you get your enjoyment. It the enjoyment comes from like the David Gilmore guitar solos, cool laser pew pew new type kind of stuff. But like these scenes like layer down this like basis of like you knowing that there's factional play involved so that when mm-hmm. shit does happen, it 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 good. It makes you feel smart and superior for focusing on the more intriguing aspects of it and, like, not being drawn in by wow, cool new type. (laughs) Yeah. It it just, like, lays groundwork so that when things happen, you're you're not just, like, wow, cool robot. Exactly. Even if you also are, like, wow, cool robot. You you can be both. Both can exist. uh, They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Uh, It's Schrodinger's cool robot. It's (laughs) true. Wow, cool cat. <laughs> um, Quadra's team is is has like entered Granada at this point. They're like trying to capture a Titan ship. Um, they're trying to do it like you know without violence, so they're not killing people. They're just like sort of aiming guns and getting people out of their robots. We see a blue Hizak, which I like, which is almost like a goof. I want a high goof. I would like to see it, please. Um, and at this point, uh, I think Kakarcon heads out in his own Hizak. To sort of blast the Amon City spaceport entrance to, I guess, trap the Argama. Yeah, it's it's like, um, you know, there's a bunch of shit wherever like uh, Camille is having to shoot a gun at the same time, and Quattro is like, "Buddy, you'll be fine." Yeah. Um, you gotta also learn how to shoot off. at a human gun, at a human <laughs> gun, shoot a gun at a human. Um, that's what that church's song was about. <laughs> Shoot a human gun. Um, you know, Haro's like here. Haro deflects another bullet. Big shout out to Haro. Yeah, Haro um, immune to bullets, famously. I yeah. love Haro. And then, yeah, the, the, the Titans attack Argama while the kind of the boys are out in their mobile suits. Um, which, uh, Camille gets a text. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Camille gets a psychic text from Emma, because Emma's having to go off to face off against Kakarcon. 
And yeah. yeah, and Camila's like, Quattro, I just got a text. We have to go home right now. Um, but Quattro's kind of just like having too much fun doing war. Yeah. He likes it. He, yeah. Not not now, kid. I want to do murder. Well, yeah. Well, he's like, hey, we got to finish this mission. Like, you can't just run off uh, just because we, we heard that, you know, they're getting attacked or something. Like, we got to focus on this. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, Quattro loves to shoot a man and punch him and, and you know blow things up in a mobile suit sometimes you only know how to do one thing yeah he got he got minion euphoria (laughs) yeah it's just you know when when quattro goes in the battle the only thing that's in his brain is just bajina bajina i wasn't gonna say it (laughs) i was being restrained there is no there is no minion restraint when i'm in the room (laughs) there's no minion restraint I will say uh, the that Isaac has a really good, nice detail shot of that mono eye in this mm. fight. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> yes. really rad. It's like got a whole tracking thing to. Mm, mm, ah. I I like that it's a different. It's an older version of the mono eye because like when we see the mono eye in the Rick DS in the beginning of the show. Um, it's like a sphere, right? You can sort of see like the roundedness of it, but this it, it's like a flat plate. It's like you can see the ring around it, but it's like just like a sort of like beveled, a little bit like um, convex um, looking thing, but it's not a full sphere. So it's like a different, I guess, older model of it based on the original uh, Zaku Monoai, which is a, it's a very cool touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because like the Rick Diaz is crazy because like the cockpit's up there too. Which right. Is yeah, it, yeah. It's in the head. Yeah. The mm-hmm. cockpit's in the head, not the cock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they get into a fight. Eventually, Camille convinces everybody, like, oh, no, we should go back. Like, Emma's in trouble. Like, I'm getting uh, I'm getting psychic brainwaves from her. That's bad. Um, and Kekagon actually, like, cuts her arm off and stuff, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Emma's been kind of, she's kind of in a little bit of pickle, not in the good way. Not not like a funny pickle Rick. Yeah. Not like, a, or, or in, like, a good pickle juice kind of way. Um, yeah. She's having a very bad time. Uh, definitely not a pickleback. She has taken that whole strength bourbon shot, uh, no chaser, <laughs> and it's tough. It's tough. I, this is like a common theme in Zeta where like someone is like very nearly about to die and then important character saves the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Camille rushes in. Uh, Camille tot- rushes Totally in. owns Kakrakhan's buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, He's he like does it. some cool stuff, saves her. He does... All of the cool mobile suit piloting he does in this episode, he does while cridling Haro in his lap. I know. Like Haro makes him fight better. His Gundam should have a little sticker on it that says "Baby on board" and a picture of Haro. <laughs> I uh, just oh man, like I can barely hold a soda in my lap while I drive. I don't want to think about having like a medicine ball there. <laughs> but the thing is, Haro is bulletproof, so like it doesn't. Is a soda <laughs> bulletproof? No. <laughs> Um, this is true. But Not yeah, people are Emma, saying this. this is like the end of the episode. Uh, should I take us to mm-hmm. the end, or is there more you want? Yeah, to talk yeah, about? yeah. Go for it. Um. So yeah, like Emma, like yells at Haro, or no, Emma would never yell at Haro. No one would ever yell at Haro. Um. Emma yells at Camille for like coming back too soon. She's like, "Oh my god, Camille! Like you're the fact that you're here means that you must have abandoned the mission too soon." Uh. But Camille is like, "No, Emma. Like Emma, Emma, you sent me a text with your mind." <laughs> <laughs> I got a text from you in my mind. Um, and then she's kind of like, oh shit. And they sort of talk about that a bit. Uh, Emma ends up like thanking him for coming and, and rescuing you. Um, and then we kind of cut back to the crew and like Camille has like a kind of a, you know, everyone's like, hey, Camille. And he's like buddy, buddy with the crew who had been kind of previously beating him up. It's like a little bit fuck up. 
And then the final yeah. shot in the episode is we go Ooh. back to the jungle to Kai and well, Rekwa, the and they're sort of about to like do their cool adventures of Kai Shiden infiltration of Jaburu, yeah. and that's the episode. Uh, Rekwa keeps telling Kai he needs to stop being so fresh with her. Uh, yeah, he's he's a little he look. He's been in the jungle for like several weeks at this point. She's like, we're not friends. You could just leave, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like the the weird thing about it is like the way that she's talking it makes it seem like Kai is just constantly hitting on her but like it's Kai and he has the same deadpan like thing that he always does like is he is he being weird in the dub because he really isn't in the sub no in the dub no. I have a note about that because in the sub his introduction when he introduces himself he's like I'm not hitting on, I'm not hitting on you like I'm just here to help or something but like mm. he just he says there's nothing like that in the dub like there is no like horny implication um like that's just not there so i don't know what the subtitles are doing here um kai is simply too sexy uh for the japanese <laughs> audience is the problem yeah uh. yeah i think it's like it's it's implied that he's being like too personal and too like buddy buddy but there's no like sexual energy okay mm. yeah that's not just that me is... saying that that's like mm. i looked at it Actually. Yeah, that that is like what translation stuff that probably doesn't come through in subs or in a uh, a uh, uh, dubcast or whatever that you know maybe he's you know I didn't hear any like I didn't hear like him say Chan or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean there's still other mm. ways you could be more familiar with people. Right. <laughs> yeah, you could just be an annoying little shit, and we all know the Kai is. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. That's so, episodes. Yeah. I prepared a post-episode segment. However, we are at one hour and 40 minutes, so I am more than happy to leave it until next week. Uh, no, 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 go for it. All right, okay. Folks, can I get a new type flash, Colin? <laughs> get ready to hear about the history of sleeves. Because I have prepared some things for you. Um, Hit it. With my costuming expertise, I want to be very clear that the, the like, because I didn't really do any research, I just looked at my bookshelf, which is kind of full of costuming books, uh, and took one out, which had a little feature on sleeves in it. This book is from, like, the 80s. It's quite an old-fashioned history book, which also means, public. oh, Jesus, published in 1968. So that means it's one of the wow. racist ones, which doesn't acknowledge <laughs> fashion as having existed outside of Europe. Um, so we're going to look at some European sleeve history. <coughs> the first recorded instance of sleeves comes 5,000 years ago from Egypt. You know Egypt like in Europe. The oldest garment that survives that exists as cloth and textiles is from Egypt and it has sleeves. It's like a little kind of dressy tunicky thing and there's some sleeves on it. However, um, you may notice that in Egyptian art and stuff like that, you don't really see many sleeves. Like, you know, we've all seen Yu-Gi-Oh! We know all about Egypt. No one's fucking wearing sleeves on those tomb reliefs. I will be quick, Colin. Um, <laughs> so the fact that sleeves exist in, in physical space doesn't actually mean they existed in society because whenever clothing and garments survive... It's because no one fucking wore them, you know? You know? That's that's survival bias. We can we can go into it if we had like another three hours, but we're not going to. <laughs> um so sleeves have existed uh, for most of human history, but no one fucking wore them because sleeves, as we all know, suck. Um 
sleeves only really became a thing uh, from like the sort of 12th, 13th century onwards uh, in Europe anyway. Um, and even then, um, the sleeves on things like doublets uh, and coats and, and jerkins were like removable. Like you very often see in vampire times clothing, there's like the sleeves are tied on. And that's just because practicality. Sometimes you want to be able to take your sleeves off. Sometimes you want to be able to swap your sleeves out with another garment. It's just good practical sense to have removable sleeves. I, I personally can't imagine uh, like electing to wear sleeves when I could just wear a tank top instead. Yeah. But that's just me. Sometimes winter happens and you gotta. Um, but you know, they, they always had that option to take them off to just get the guns out back in vampire times. Now, sleeves really kind of take off in in like the sort of the, the 14th, 15th century and, and and that's also kind of when like a little thing called capitalism is starting to develop. And the reason that sleeves take off is because, and this is kind of what a lot of the the, 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 the more the older books of fashion claim to be like the start quote big quotes of fashion, um, because people had economic mobility. Um, and they wanted to be able to display their like money and their wealth and like their power on their bodies by kind of showing off how much cloth they could put on their bodies and how fancy their clothing could be. So people go fucking nuts for sleeves. Um, and in particular, Colin, do you, do you, do, are you familiar with the Landsknecht? Yes, I am. Um, what do you know about them? Um, I know they were a German military order, like basically like um like lo- like locality based mercenary groups. So you, like a Lenschneck like group might be associated with like a town or a village, and uh like was allowed by the um like the 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 greater authorities of of like Germany and Austria that in times of peace they were allowed to sell their services to go fight in other armies. Damn, that's so much more than I knew about Landsknecht. The thing that I know about Landsknecht is they're soldiers, mercenaries, and they're like they they really go with the branding because like they just have these wild sleeves that have they're full of holes and the holes have different sleeves behind them and they're all crazy colors. And that's like their marketing. Like if you're in like old times Germany and you see a guy with crazy sleeves, you know you can like hire that guy to like beat someone else up for you. So not saying that sleeves are like inherently associated with violence or anything, but you know, correlation. Um, and that's kind of like where sleeves peak. Um, you know, af- af- after then, um, you know, sleeves are kind of a bit wild. They get, bit, get, get a bit smaller. Kind of around the 18th century is when having sleeves attached, into, built into your garments becomes a standard thing. Uh, also, a thing that kind of becomes a thing around the 18th century is like cops. Again, I'm not saying there's any causal relationship uh, here, but like coincidence. You, you know, you know, you know. Um, so that's pretty much it for the history of sleeves. You know, we still have um, uh, sleeves as separate things for for like ladies' underwear and like fancy linen shit. Um, but pretty much sleeves as we know them uh, have 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 been a thing for about two or three hundred years. Same, same, same as, same as cops. Um, that's that's all I have to say about the history of sleeves. So, are you saying that Quattro doesn't wear sleeves so that we know that he's not selling his services? That he is here for ideological reasons? One, that would be a very valid implication. <laughs> he wears, he wears, uh, he he doesn't wear sleeves to prove that he's a cab. 
<laughs> Thank you, Sarah. That was very nice and informative. I feel like we've like truly like made our brains big this episode. But only where sleeves are concerned. Well, yeah, well, you know. To make them any bigger, we have to go listen to Mobile Suit Breakdown. <laughs> yeah, we talk about a podcast that's smarter than us. Yeah. So. <laughs> it checks out. We're stealing intellectual Gundam valor. <laughs> no. <laughs> um all right, well, I know Colin, you have to leave soon, so I think we can just start we can just run the plugs real quick if you still have time for that. Yes. Cool. Yeah, hit it. Uh so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Pagetish P A D G E T T I S H. Uh also I am gonna be on uh some friends of mine started a new podcast called Setlist in Seattle. Um hmm. I'm gonna be on their episode themed hmm. around uh rock band one songs. Uh <laughs> basically just it's uh, you know, three people, uh they all pick a song. Uh if a guest comes on, they get to pick a song, talk about why they like them, put them in a set list. Uh they did not like my song, uh, let me tell you. Uh but That's it was a, it was a great time. It's really fun. It takes place in a fictional diner in Seattle. Um so yeah. That's fun. Yeah. I mean if only cool. you'd picked a Pink Floyd song. Uh, <laughs> I could have, I think. Um, but yeah, right on. Nice, Sarah. Uh, hi, I'm Sarah McClintock. You can find me on the internet everywhere at Sarah McCostumes. That's S A R A H M C C Austin. Yeah, you can find uh, me at Max Bajillion on Twitter and Tumblr or everywhere else. Um, all, I, we only plug our other podcasts. So just this show. You can go to twittercom podcast If people know we do more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you, you know by now. Go to noisebase.xyz, find more podcasts. Um, real quick, final bit. Sarah, don't give me an explanation, but what is your robot of the week? A bender from Futurama. Okay, more Guardy did that one, so we got a twofer. I love it. Um, <laughs> as, we, as we say to end this real quick, in the words of our ancestors echoed through time immemorial, war is bad. Wow. Cool robot.